0: In partnership with New Smile, the teeth alignment and whitening experts, the Pro Sports Podcasters are giving away two New Smile teeth whitening foam solutions. All you need to do to qualify for this fantastic giveaway is go to our website, www.prosportspodcasters.com, and sign up for the free newsletter. The winners will be announced in the last newsletter of November, so sign up now. Brighten up your smile with New Smile we are the pro sports podcasters where no sport is left behind
1: it's
2: time for another episode of the pro sports podcasters with your hosts nee wallace bruce Colbert Durand, and justin williams
1: on this podcast we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting we are something for every sports fan on psp Whether your interests are
2: the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun
0: and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We're 100 episodes in, and the three of us decided it would be a good time to talk a little bit about some of our favorite sports and what's going on right now. We're going to start with Justin and one of his favorite sports. Not me and I,
2: but one of his. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my friends. How are you doing? I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, As you know, I'm the CFL guy, so I'm obviously going to talk some CFL with you fine, friendly folks as you guys know, the division semifinals have approached us. Oh, what a fun time this is! We have the Alouettes taking on the Tiger Cats, and then we have the Stampeders taking on the Rough Riders. So let's start with the Alouettes and the Tiger Cats. The Alouettes and the Tiger Cats are basically the same team in terms of COVID protocols that have happened to them, in terms of offensive striking, in terms of defensive paralysis. The Alouettes have an even 500 split with seven and seven. The Tiger Cats are eight and six, and you can argue they've had luck on their side, especially when they face the Elks, which I will touch on them in a little bit too. Remember the Elks, the ones that have like three games essentially back to back to back? Yeah. Yeah. Tiger Cats took care of that business when they had a chance. But the game which I'm really interested in kind of focusing on is the Stampeders versus the Rough Riders. So we're going to go out to the West for this one. Boys, do you understand the Stampeders versus the Rough Riders? All right, basically, the Stampeders are the underdogs going in with eight and six, and the Rough Riders are nine and five. The Rough Riders have been favored to win the Grey Cup this year, assuming the Blue Bombers get knocked out. It's it's they basically assume the Grey Cup is going to the West, but Calgary, the Stampeders, have just been on a losing streak when it comes to the Rough Riders, with the exception of this year. Usually, the Rough Riders has their number. This year, not the case. Stampeders are the the weird little antidote to whatever the hell the Rough Riders are doing, and I love it. They lost once this year to them. That's fine. They've won every other time. It has been glorious. So, bookmakers, what are you going to do? Most likely, you're probably going to bet for the Rough Riders, because they're going to stick to their defensive prowess on this one. However, I do feel like Stampede, especially because it's going to be in. Uh, Saskatchewan is going to come out guns a-freaking-blazing. They're going to want to strike early, and they're going to want to hold down the fort. It's going to be a low-scoring game, but it's going to be a fun first quarter. And last but not least, I wanted to touch on the good old Elks. As you guys know, they had really bad COVID in the beginning, just protocol hitting them time and time and time and time, to the point where they had to delay three games until they were like nine days apart from each other. Mm. So the Edmonton Elks, this came out two days ago, have gotten rid of their head coach, have gotten rid of their secondary coaches, and have gotten rid of, like, four other personnel. They have essentially a skeleton crew. They, they sacked the CEO, too. Like, it's just, it's bad. The CEO, general manager, and vice president are all gone from that organization. Um, I don't think it's very fair, considering the fact they're dealing with COVID. But it is what it is. So the elks were in shambles this year, and they're going to be in shambles next year.
1: Right. So, where is the Grey Cup being played this year, Justin?
2: Uh, the Grey Cup is playing Hamilton.
1: Okay. And what's the date? Do you know off offhand?
2: Uh, so because of COVID protocols, it's been. I don't want to say it's been changed. It's it's set for. Hold up. Let me just double check. It's set for December 12th, but it has a tentative December 15th date as well.
1: Okay, fair enough. Oh, wait, December 15th. Isn't that like midweek? Hang on, hang on.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's weird Ooh. because... December- yeah, so December 6th... Sorry, December 12th at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. is what it's scheduled for, like what you can buy tickets for as well. But because of COVID, obviously they don't want to... Uh, they don't want to lose this matchup. So I also don't want to delay it too long either, because just loses the hype. Because eventually it's going to compete with the NFL, right? So it's going to have to have sooner or later. So,
1: right Wednesday Wednesday Great Cup I, that's probably never happened in the hundred plus year history of the yeah hundred eight. No, anyway, thank you. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> right. So as the the Argo's tragic that you are. What are the Argos' chances of winning the title?
2: Well, considering that they won their division, they're already into the division finals. It's like a buy, right? Just like the Blue Bombers did. So whoever they face, uh, Alouettes or Tiger Cats, you know what? It, it really depends. If it's the Alouettes, I'm more comfortable because this year has been a slobber knocker with the Tiger Cats. Yes, the Argos have won more. However, it's been by like the Rouge, one point, or it's been by just... Like three points, like a field goal. It's it's too close for my liking. So I'd like to see the Alouettes beat the Tiger Cats and then lose the Argos. But either way, on paper, the Argos have a very awesome chance of making it to the finals, and their home field. So,
0: okay, hold hold on a sec. When I look at the stats for this season, yep. it's disturbing, and I can't tell whether or not it's it's COVID related or or whatever. But mm. so you've got. I mean, it's the CFL, so generally speaking, the West is kind of the more important teams as far as the league is concerned. Oh, God, yes. But if you look at the East, you've got the Argonauts on top, but what's disturbing about it is their record's nine and five. Yep. They've got more points against them than points four. Yep. And they're coming off a loss at the end of the season. Maybe that was an unimportant loss. Who knows?
2: Oh, that was the against the Elks. They did not they did not care. Okay. <laughs> they're like, we're already in, we've already made it, we've already clenched. Like they were playing their backups essentially.
0: So if you look at both the Tiger Cats and the Alouette statistics, they're they're actually better except for the win losses. Correct. And then you look at the West Division and it looks like Winnipeg just walked through people. Now they're coming off two losses, but that's because they've had it all sewn up since then?
2: Yeah, and actually the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have only lost – like the major team game they lost to was uh, the Argos.
0: Yeah, and if you compare it, their points for is 361 against points against 188.
2: Yeah, so Winnipeg is statistically the favorite to win it. But there again, when it comes to facing the Argos, it's like the Argos had the antidote. They did lose the first time, but then they managed to come back in the second. So. It's a 50-50 split and I think it'd be great to see I think it would be great actually to see the Blue Bombers versus the Argos in the finals to kind of end that uh that trilogy.
0: Well, we're going to be at the Argos game.
2: Oh, yes, we will be. We're going to
0: go live from there, everybody.
2: Hell yeah. <laughs> Me we? will be hosting.
0: And who's going to, who's your pick to win the Grey Cup?
2: Oh, right now it has to be it has to be Winnipeg. Although I would love to say the Argos, it's probably going to be Winnipeg doing a repeat. Okay. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show.
0: Me, what have you got for us? Uh,
1: let's talk some cricket. Right on. Love it. Yeah, remember at the start of the year, I mean, this is a 101st episode, I think early on in season one, we talked about cricket scandals involving Australia yeah oh yes yes, yes. so this is a bit of a footnote from that so for those who maybe come to the psp a little bit late on initially at the start of the year we talked about how australia the men's cricket team changed their captain in 2017 2018 2018 Mm -hmm. because of a scandal so basically australia tried to cheat against the south africans they weren't very good at it they got caught (laughs) and the captain, the vice-captain, and another player were all suspended for a certain period. That is what is called sandpaper gate. Now, this led to an overhaul. So the captaincy changed. The CEO of Cricket Australia resigned. The head coach also resigned. There was a big shake-up, and this, this is a cultural change. Now, as part of that, the new captain came in, Tim Payne. Right. Now, little did we know that Prior to his appointment as the the new captain, Tim Payne had been sending messages that he probably shouldn't have been sending mm-hmm. to a female staffer in Australian cricket. Unwanted messages, by the way. So, no, he shouldn't have been sending them. And it was after he was appointed, about three or four months down the line, Cricket Australia, under their new administration, mind you, was made aware of this. They're actually had a complaint from this woman, and Cricket Australia, despite trying to turn over a new leaf after Sandpaper Gate, they just said, you know what? We're just going to put this under the carpet. We're just mm-hmm. going to just carry on like nothing ever happened. So this Tim Payne's leading Australia to victory over England in the ashes. He's, he's kind of a national hero. It's a new dawn for men's cricket in Australia. They've walked past Sandpaper Gate and Just on the eve of another Ashes series in 2021, he's not had to resign because I guess the chooks have come home to roost Mm. and the text messages have been exposed in the same way that he exposed himself through the text messages. Now, hold on. Now, hold on.
0: Was he drunk when he sent these messages? Because I heard that's not supposed to count.
2: (laughs) Kobe's like, oh, Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm pretty sure he was sober. Oh, so he doesn't even have the, uh, say, the drunk defense. No, nah, nah, I think he said it during the daytime, the middle of the day. 10-15. <laughs> just <laughs>
2: had something breakfast. Like Want to see my sausage and egg McMuffin?
1: Now,
0: hold yeah, on, hold on. Something does, like that. Does this affect the, the T20 squad or no?
1: So this is this is the test squad primarily. The T20, it's funny you mentioned that, Kobe, because Australian cricket is actually on a high. Australia has just won their first... T20 World Cup in the men's side. And okay. So the country was actually you know, on a bit of a high. I think it was at the start of the week, and then at the end of the week, the test captain has to resign because <laughs> of his transgressions. Oh, shit. So <laughs> on the eve of the ashes, it's not a great look. And it honestly, the, there's a couple of problems here. This is why I'm bringing it up. One is... Tim Payne still wants to be selected as a player for Australia. He's given up the captaincy, but he still wants to be be considered as a player. Now, if they select him, it means that they they don't think that what he did was that bad. If they don't select him, then I guess there's that issue as well. Um, Mm. Then Maybe he's, he's served his punishment through the public humiliation, among other things. Also, this calls into question the administration of cricket history. I mean, how the hell can you come out of Sandpaper Gate, which we went through before, you've tried to talk about integrity of the game and all this kind of stuff, and then you knew this was happening. You knew that this, this guy is leading the country because the ca- catching the Australian men's cricket team is like being the prime minister. You, you are held in a very high esteem. In fact, mm-hmm. you're, you're held to a higher standard. Because there are politicians in Australia who've done worse and have gotten away with it. I'll leave that for another day. But (laughs) how the hell does Cricket Australia allow this to happen on their watch and then just keep going along like it's all good? I feel like someone in the head office in Melbourne needs to disappear because this is the second time in five years now. It's on the eve of the ashes. They're hosting the T20 World Cup next year. They want to host the 50-over cricket World Cup in the future. They're trying to clean the game up, make it more accessible, but they've still got, this, they've still got old habits, and they're dying hard, and they got to be cleaned out.
2: Does Australia have a backup uh, captain, essentially?
1: No. Now, this is interesting because you may remember, Justin, I told you to put down some bets on who was going to be the captain in the side of the Ashes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Because I didn't, I didn't know about the scandal at the time. but I mean, I, you had an insight. Yeah, you're making it sound like I hacked Tim Payne's phone <laughs> or something. No, no. I, Tim Payne, he was always seen as, because of his age, he's in his mid-30s, which is kind of towards the end of a cricket career, even though with his position as a wicketkeeper, they can play for a little bit longer. However, it was getting to the time that maybe they should look at somewhere else. So, the two names that have been thrown up are Steve Smith, the, the guy who was captain when San Brigade happened, or an, a fresh start with Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins is a young, fast bowler from Western Australia. Well, he plays Western Australia, I think he's in New South Wales. Anyway, typically, the captain is a batsman. I don't fully agree with that. I think captains are just as capable if they're bowlers as well. I think that's an archaic... It's some old-school tradition that some people have held on to. I think that with the current climate in Australia, it, you have to give the seat to someone new. You can't go back to Steve Smith. You can have him there as a mentor. He leads, by example, with the way he plays. But if you want to move forward, you have to go with someone like Pat Cummins. Just moving away from cricket for a second, because I want to talk about leadership Hold, hold we'll on! Talk- hold
0: on! Hold on! One second. One question though before we go. Sure. How much does it hurt
1: the team if they just cut the guy completely? In terms of production and performance on the scoreboard, not that much because Tim Payne's output as a wicketkeeper and as a batsman can be replaced. I think there's there's two or three guys who could probably take his spot and wouldn't matter in terms of the scorecard. There might be intangibles in terms of leadership, but
0: okay. So you're what you're saying is the team has his back.
1: Ish. I mean, one of the players' wives has already come out and said that he shouldn't be selected. And ironically, it's David Warner who was one of the three players suspended during Sandpaper Gate. Okay. <laughs> this is becoming a big deal in a strange club. This is like the equivalent of a Maple police player, you know, putting his <laughs> junk on the phone to some someone and having to resign. And then the other players... Wanting him to get cut if you it
2: almost continue happened. to cricket.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. And then you say you want you want to say a little piece about leadership?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about Manchester United. So, Manchester United, <laughs> they replaced their manager uh, the week just gone, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is out. And Michael Carrick, the former player, and I think his captain as well as now manager, and he's guided them to the next stage of the Champions League. We need to talk about the elephant in the room here because. Solskjaer's been sacked. Mourinho was sacked before. But the problem is Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo's a little bit like LeBron James in basketball. If you don't have his respect, he'll get you fired. He did it in Juventus to three guys. He did it to Allegri. He did it to Sarri. And he did it to Andrea Pirlo. Those guys came in with bright ideas in terms of managing the team. And then he, Ronaldo didn't like it. So Ronaldo does what Ronaldo does, but people don't talk about this. He did it in Real Madrid as well, by the way. I believe he got fired. But, yeah, once Ronaldo doesn't believe in your philosophy or he doesn't agree with it, or if he's not getting enough benefit from it, he'll slowly turn the dressing room against you, and then your position will become untenable.
0: He's not alone in that ability.
1: That happens across a lot of sports. But you don't see Messi getting people fired. I mean, Messi, Messi can still play and get to get the job done. Okay.
0: I think that's speculation.
2: I was gonna say I don't know about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, no, not, I'm, not I, certain, I, I'm not certain of that.
1: I think it's a trend. I, I think it's a trend that we need to pay more attention to. Now, now, Ronaldo it, gets people fired.
0: What's your over under on the new coach? <laughs> oh my God, Kobe. <laughs>
1: Uh look. I mean, it's not about the coach. It's about the Glazer family. They do weird things, so they'll probably give this guy a three-year extension and fire him in two years anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the next manager should, should be Cristiano Ronaldo. Personally, <laughs> he should <laughs> he should just do it himself. He likes coaching on the sidelines.
2: Oh, we all saw that in 2016. I have a bum knee. He's jumping around.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: I was like, what are you doing, yeah. here, bud?
1: Either him or um wayne rooney should be manager
2: i mean wayne rooney can't manage derby county so i don't think so
1: it's not his fault i mean the club's administration they're gonna get relegated anyway so he might as well leave
2: Mm. i don't know it looks bad on that like he came down to try to save them they were mid-tier the season before he was a player coach and then all of a sudden they're just down into the bottom depths and i was like that's on you guy
0: no, I just say peace out, bye. It's where the money. Yeah. It's also where the money goes too. You gotta look at that. It's where the money goes, right? Mm. It's not entirely up to you.
2: I think uh, it's. Uh, you're right. It's not. But I think Tion Hallray should uh, should go coach there.
1: He won't do that. He won't go to a rival like that. He, he respects Arsenal too much. That's right. He's not but- a mercenary like that. <laughs>
0: oh,
1: okay. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now that, no, 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 no. You've raised a good point, though. Can we talk about Bob Bradley, the new manager, not only the new head coach of TSC, they've given him a sporting director role. So that means, because TSC, in case you don't know, they've cleared out the general manager role, they've cleared out the head coach, and they brought in Captain Michael Bradley's dad, Bob Bradley, not only to coach the team, but also to be, I guess, the player personnel guy. When you give someone that much power... One, it means they're not going to move on from Michael Bradley. And two, if this guy screws it up, your franchise is stuffed for the next four or five years. Hmm. So, Justin, what's going on?
2: Yeah, okay. So, basically, they're just kind of riding Bob's previous success. I mean, since uh, – what's his face took over? Oh, my God, what's the name? Sorry, give me two seconds. The um, – I can. I know what he looks like. He's the bald-headed dude. Oh my god! What is his name? Oh my god! Jesus Christ! Sorry. Give me two seconds here. Are
0: you Are you searching bald-headed dude on Google right now? <laughs> I wouldn't.
2: No, I'm not. Uh,
1: maybe dude on, it, it, on income needle or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my god! Sorry. Incognito. Yeah, yeah, just being like. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's my turn.
2: <laughs> yep, sorry. Uh, let me just figure this out. Fudge, what is his name? Either way, he screwed up for, for TFC by signing uh, Altador over Giovinco. Anyways, yes, Kobe, your, your, your turn.
0: This episode is brought to you by the good folks at NewSmile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with NewSmile. Now on to the show. Yeah, so my turn. I'm definitely talking golf. And in this case, I'm talking women's golf. And mm-hmm. the story this year was the ongoing battle between two of the top players in golf period, right now, who didn't really give an inch to each other all season long, and that's Jin Young-Ko and Nelly Korda.
1: Yes.
2: Right.
0: Now, I don't think the PGA has had a rivalry like that over one season, ever. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have rivalries, you have these top players that are always going back and forth with each other, but not showing that much dominance over an entire season. Mm-hmm. And Like I pointed out with you with the CFL stats, the golf rankings are kind of weird the way they do it. How so? On every year, there is sort of two rankings that matter on the LPGA Tour. There's the Rolex rankings, which determines your world ranking. Okay. And there's the CME Tour ranking, which determines your season ranking for the LPGA Tour. Oh, my. And... If you look at how things ended up, Jin Young won the final event of the season, which is the CME Tour Championship, mm-hmm. and in doing so, it capped her fifth win of the season, which is just nuts, Un- unprecedented. It's it's you know it's happened before, but it it rarely happens, <laughs> right? So because of that, she finishes. The season with 3,520 CME points. So that's how many points she earned for all of the events that she played in 2021 and for her position in each event. It's scalable depending on where you finish, right? Hmm. And then you got Nelly Corda, who finished with Mm 3,420 CME points. So roughly 100 less. But... Nelly Korda won four events this season. Mm-hmm. Jinnyanko five. Mm. Nelly Korda also won the Olympics in Tokyo, but that does not count toward the LPGA. Ah. Completely separate event. Uh okay. So she, in effect, won five events as well. Now the Olympics is a very different event. Very small field. Not nearly as strong as an LPGA event. Mm-hmm. But she won it. That means something. So then you look at the Rolex rankings, and here's where it gets odd. You would assume that Jin Young-Ko would be the number one player in the world. Mm -hmm. But she's not. She's number two.
1: Mm.
0: And here's the reason being. The Rolex rankings factors in the number of events you play, how many points you've earned Rolex ranking points. Uh. And then it divides that and figures out what do you average in points per event.
1: Oh, okay. It's that
0: last number that matters in the Rolex rankings. So, Jin Yan Ko has played 52 events. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nelly Korda has played 48 events. Okay. Jin Yan Ko in those 52 events has earned 517 Rolex ranking points.
1: Mm.
0: No one else is that close, really, except for Nelly, who has earned 483 points. hmm When The Division comes out, it's Nelly Corda has 10.07 points average per event, and Jin Yungo has 9.94 oh. average per event. So she ends oh. up in second place. Wow. So there's this big debate right now about who's really number one. Mm-hmm because when you win the last event of the season on the LPGA tour it's the most important event of the season. Right. And along with winning that, you she won the it's funny because it's actually called the Rolex Player of the Year because uh. she has <laughs> she has the most LPGA points. Okay. And she also won, I believe, the money championship for the most money earned this year for for play. The money championship. Eh? Yeah, that there's a trophy for that. Whoever wins the most money on the LPGA tour wins the each year wins the money championship.
2: Mm-hmm. And gets more money.
0: Well, no, it's just another trophy. Yeah. Hardware. Right? But it's it's important in golf in that on the LPGA tour, for each thing you win, you earn Hall of Fame points. Wow. The way the hell the Hall of Fame works on the LPGA tour is you don't just get elected in. You have to earn your way on.
2: I actually like that.
0: Yeah, so it's like you need something like 25 Hall of Fame points or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the number is. But if you win a one of the you know different trophies at the end of the year, you get X number of Hall of Fame points. For each event you win, you get a Hall of Fame point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Cole, how does the Olympics factor into the Hall of Fame points nowadays? It doesn't. What? I do not believe the Olympics
0: actually earns you any Hall of Fame points. I don't think it does.
1: Wow, that seems. Right? I don't think
0: they've. I'll check, but I, I don't think they've actually updated that yet. That it gives you points.
1: That's, let me, let me that's, check. That's problematic because you look at the number of basketballers who are in the Hall of Fame largely because of their Olympic exploits. Why
2: do certain industries hate the Olympics? What what is this?
1: What do you mean? Like,
2: NHL oh. hates the Olympics. Okay, Absolutely. Gary yeah, we all know my stance on Gary Bettman.
0: It pulls their players away from the what they want, right? So hold Whoa. on. I'm looking at this. The LPGA's Hall of Fame is the toughest to get into of all sports. To date, there are 25 entrants. Players must amass 27 points and play 10 years to gain entry.
2: Okay. So minimum 27, minimum 10. Interesting.
0: I, must, I just want to right. see if they say if you get any points for Olympics now.
1: And it also probably would include stuff like – solheim cup and all those international events right it's all about your your individual exploits is that what this is about i believe so yes wow interesting because this has been a big year for golf with the olympics and then i guess it was kind of a bit of a catch-up because we lost so many events in 2020 so we're trying to get back to the way things were what what are you seeing on the horizon for 2022 coping in the golf world 2022 is going to be a very good year,
0: very good year for golf. It's going to be a great year for the LPGA. Mm -hmm. But there's also a few things happening on the PGA side of things that are kind of warming up to that too. It's, uh, I guess the biggest news is that Tiger is practicing again.
2: I saw that on his shots. Talk
0: about breaking the internet.
2: Oh my God. 6.5 million views.
0: (laughs) In like the first 10
2: minutes or something. Like Absolutely. (laughs) So like,
0: next year will be huge.
2: Next year will be huge for golf. Yoko, with Tiger uh, practicing again, what are his odds of finishing top twenty-five in the next tournament he plays?
0: It'll be a while before he plays. I mean, I, I don't think he's that close to playing yet. I don't know if he'll play again. To be honest,
2: I oh. think he will. But uh, oh, we play on that? what's what's the championship one, the old people one? Oh, that's that's the champion store. Yeah, yeah, he he'll play on that.
0: Well, I think if he comes back, he'll he's coming back to play in majors. He's coming back to play the Masters again.
1: Yeah, he's not yeah, he doesn't want to do like the regular weekly grind.
0: No. He'll be able to come back to play just major events that he's, you know, lifetime qualified for. <laughs> that's what it'll be for. It's just whether or not he thinks he can play at a competitive level because I don't think Tiger's the kind of guy that would play just to play. Mm. Oh, that's unfortunate. Right.
1: I mean, it's it's a grind. You, you asked me to play 18 holes and one day, I'd feel it. Then you want me to do it for three or four days.
0: Oof. And need to answer your earlier question about whether or not the Olympics will give you any points. It says it here. So you must have accumulated 27 points awarded as follows. One point for each LPGA official tournament win. Two points for each LPGA major tournament win. And one point for each VAR trophy. That's the best stroke average for the year. Hmm. Or or Rolex Player of the Year honor earned. So it doesn't mention the Olympics at all.
2: Wow, that's that's not even fair.
1: No, it's not because I'm sure there are some golfers out there who are who are built for the international games like that, and they're going to get denied because it sounds like it's geared towards what you do on on the tour. It's
0: primarily designed to keep their stars playing as long as possible. Right. Right. Okay.
1: Mm.
2: Don't want them
0: to shine anywhere else. Interesting. It's weird. So in the beginning, when they first came up with this system, it sort of made sense because it, it kept women in a game that a lot of them weren't making enough money to do it solely. Mm. Yeah. Right? But now that the purses are getting higher, the top players, someone like a like like the two players this here, like Nelly Corda and, and Jin Young Ko. Mm-hmm. They're making millions each year now. Good. But do they want to play for 10 years then? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you're making millions every year, you may decide at some point, depending on what happens, like one injury could be enough for you to say, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. But yeah. if if you want to make it in the Hall of Fame, you got to put your 10 years in.
2: So in theory, you could rack up – like how quickly could somebody in theory rack up all 27 points?
0: Pretty quick. I mean, so – I believe uh, I think Jin Young Ko is already at something like fifteen points, and she she turned pro in twenty seventeen,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or twenty eighteen when that's actually her first official
2: year. Okay, so twenty eighteen, but minus one year for COVID.
0: Yeah, like like last year she only well the thing is <laughs> even though it was COVID, she only played four events, but in those four events, she won the CME Tour Championship. <laughs> She won the money award because she came second at the U.S. Open and won the CME Tour
2: Championship. Wow! So even
0: even in that year, she played like four events, and I think I think she still came away with like three points or something.
2: Oh, that's kind of my point. Like she could have done more had she, yeah, yeah, played more. Okay.
0: Right, this Jeez. year, this year she would have won. So it'd be five, six, seven. Yeah, I think this year she got seven points.
1: Mm.
2: Okay. Wow. Good on her. So even this year she's getting seven points. So by the end of her fourth year, in theory, or the end of someone's fourth year, they could have already qualified and had a bonus.
0: Yeah. If you if you're having phenomenal seasons, then yeah, you could have easily qualified and well, you could have gotten the number of points you require. Right. But then you're looking at another six years. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like and if you're winning that much, you're winning a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Of course. So I think that's that's the trick. That's the
1: the reason it's in place. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And uh, I noticed that Brooke Henderson was, I think, 10th on that list to finish the year. Yes. What are her prospects like for the year ahead?
0: They're good. Uh, she she had a tough year as, as – I mean, by Brooke's standards, it was a tough year. hmm But she was improving as the year went on and – I think as the COVID situation settles down a little bit, a little bit more, it'll just it'll be in Brooke's benefit. Oh. Unlike a lot of the South Koreans who basically just moved to the states, mm-hmm. right? They live in the U.S. now. So although they're South Koreans, they're practically playing at home in a way. For Brooke, she has no intention of moving to the states. Oh. Mm-hmm. She figures I live close enough. Right now, in a normal year, in normal situations, it's not bad. But with COVID, it, it really affects your travel and such. I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: It's a really good point that you raise because Things were a lot different before March twenty twenty. Now yeah. now we've got to factor these things in.
0: Yeah, I think if you know, if she could travel freely like she could before, I think she would have had her typical season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think all of the extra pressures that the COVID situation puts on travel especially and you know, just what you have to go through at each tournament, depending on where it's being held, I think that affects players. And if you're local to a tournament, it's a huge advantage. Mm